Fantastic. Well, good morning. Hey. Well, it's good to see you. As Gary said, my name's Alid. I'm one of the members here at King's and part of the leadership team. And it's an absolute privilege to uh, be sharing God's word with you today. Um, If you weren't here last week, Paul uh, kicked us off in our new preach series called Living the Gospel, Being Salt and Light. And we're going to look at that in a minute and what that means. Um, You may or may not be aware that as a church this year, we're focusing on mission. Our mission and our hope really is that we become more aware of God's heart for the people around us in the day-to-day life and also that we will be able to demonstrate God's love in ways that will bless and have an impact for the gospel. Ultimately, we want the people of Hastings and Bexhill and St. Leonard's to feel the benefit of us being here, do we not? Yeah, we'd, we want to, if King's Church Hastings wasn't here, we would want the people of Hastings, Bexhill, and St. Leonard's to realise and notice a blessing has gone. And that means that you and me, uh, that means that we are to be salt and light in the everyday wherever we find ourselves. So for you, I don't know, that might be a, a stay-at-home parent, it might be at the school gate, it might be in the house, on the, on the bus, behind a desk at work, wherever you find yourself, day in, day out, you can... And dare I say, and I think the Bible implies, you should be making a difference. You should be making a difference. Now, those that know me well know I don't consider myself a great evangelist. But I am trying, this past year, trying to find and, I guess, be more aware of the opportunities around me just to love and care for people. To love on people. And often they're just everyday simple things that just make people feel valued and loved and listened to. I've just a couple of stories really. Just a few weeks ago, I was in Aldi's doing some shopping, and uh, my shopping was on the conveyor belt. And uh, it was my turn. The checkout lady she she scanned through the first item, and it was a big pie. The problem was I didn't. I wasn't going to buy a pie. It wasn't my pie. And so I kind of said to the lady, "That's not my pie." And the lady who had just gone through the checkout, she looked and said, that's my pie. So I said, well, it's not my pie. So we established whose pie it was. And I, and I said to her, well, look, I, I'm happy to pay for it. So you, you take the pie. I'm happy to bless you in that way. Just something really small. And she said, oh, no, you can't do that. And she got out of her purse and she was fumbling around trying to find some chat. I said, no, honestly, I'd love to bless you in that way. I'm happy to pay for your pie. £2.50 pie. Do you know what happens? She turned to me and she said, that's one of the nicest things anyone's ever done for me. I was like, £2.50 pie. And, uh, and then she went to go. And this is what was interesting. She didn't have to do this. She, she stopped. She backtracked. She said, just so you know, it's, it's not for me. It's for my husband. He's at home and he's really sick. And I thought, wow. And just what an opportunity. I didn't pray for her. I didn't say anything about it. I just said, well, I hope he enjoys the pie. God bless your husband and God bless you. And that was it. And she goes, right? Just a simple opportunity. Now, I thought that was it. And then the cashier, I'm then putting all my stuff in bags. She's looking at me while scanning through this stuff. <laughs> and she says, that was one of the nicest things I've seen all day. And I, and I didn't, again, I wasn't going to share the gospel. I was going to do anything. I just said, well, maybe one day she'll be in a position like me and she'll love to pay that forward. She'll be a blessing to someone else. And she said, yeah, maybe she will. She said, do you know what? There was, um, there was someone who came in the other day from a church. All right? And uh, for, to his family and friends, he'd asked for money for Christmas. And he came in and he said, 
He said he spent every penny of his Christmas money on buying food for the food bank. Isn't that amazing, she said. I said, that is amazing. I thought, what, another opportunity? This is all in the space of a few minutes. I said, well, actually, I'm, I'm one of the pastors at the church that run the food bank. I have the privilege of knowing the guys who do it, and they're incredibly generous, and, and they're, so, they're so great at loving people and honoring people. And it was almost in her mind, I saw in her eyes, almost like the penny dropped. This guy who was just generous enough to buy a pie, there was some authenticity to his faith. Even when people wouldn't have necessarily have known, they weren't asking, he wasn't trying to push an agenda, he was just living out of something that he believed in his heart. Um, I've just, the last few months, I've taken up swimming. I don't particularly enjoy it, I've got to be honest. Um, but I go and I do some swimming. I tell you what, it's an incredible opportunity just to love on people and listen to people. Um, actually, if you get 15 minutes with some sweaty people in a sauna, it's brilliant. Because they just talk about all kinds of things. And it's, it's a great opportunity. There's, there's one particular guy, uh, when I saw him, I recognized him from a few years back. He's actually the brother of someone who comes to King's. And I, and I said, it's, it's Zander, isn't it? And he said, yeah, it is. And I said, uh, and we were just chatting about all kind of everyday stuff, really. And he said, well, actually, a, a while back, I had a, an accident. And it's caused problems with my, with my leg. Um, which is why I'm doing the swimming. It helps me with the strength of my leg. And I was able to share with him about my back and how I broke my back the year before last. And, and I, we're kind of there in a similar way. And I thought, well, what do I do? Do I pray for him? And I thought, well, it's a bit weird in the showers, me getting down and praying for his leg. So I thought, I'm not going to do that. But I kind of said to God, I'm going to commit in my heart to pray for this guy. And if we leave the summer fields, if we leave the Fafale Centre, at the same time, I'm going to offer to pray for him or tell him I'm going to pray for him. So anyway, we're in the changing rooms. We do all that stuff. Anyway, sure enough, we're walking out of Thales. We're walking out of the um, out of Summerfields, out of the swimming pool. And he goes one way, I go the other. And I say, hey, Zander, you mentioned about your leg. This week, I would love to pray for you. And he was like, wow, thank you. That's great. And I said, if, if you notice anything happens, why don't you just text your brother and let him know? And he said, okay, I'll do that. And I haven't heard anything since, but it was just another opportunity just to love on people, just to listen. And there's a couple of things that I've noticed over the last few weeks while I've tried to do some of this stuff. Um, in fact, Alfie said a comment in the video last week. He said, I don't think people care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I think that's so true. So being salt and light, actually, I'm finding isn't about being weird. Actually, for me, often it doesn't look overly spiritual. It's just loving the person in front of you, just showing that you care. And a couple of things I'm realizing. Firstly, opportunities are everywhere. They happen all the time. I don't even need to look for opportunities. They just come across my path. You just take the most of it. And the second thing is this. People are so open. People are so open. They're so open to being blessed. They're actually so open to be prayed for. They're so open to be listened to and encouraged in that way. So you and me this year, actually for the whole of your Christian life, you have a mandate to be salt and light, to be a blessing to the people that you are with and the, the kind of the places that you find yourselves. And uh, just like we're going to do every week, we're just going to watch a two-minute video to see how uh, what being salt and light looks like for uh, Rochelle as she goes to work each day as a teacher. So let's just quickly just have a look at this video for two minutes.
Fantastic. Good, isn't it? Very good. Well done, Rochelle. I don't think she's here today. Can you just, very quick, I, I love teachers. I think they do an amazing job. I say that because I used to be one. Is, is there any teachers in the room? Can you just put your hand up if you teach or work with children in any capacity? Just put your hand up. It's very quick. We just kind of pray for a ble- God's blessing on you. Is that all right? So just put your hands up. If you're ne- next to them, don't necessarily move around, but maybe just put a, lay, a lay hand on your shoulder. I, just want, I feel like I want to pray for people who work with kids. So Lord, we just pray for every teacher, every social worker, anyone who works with children in this room. And I just pray for a fresh anointing to love the unlovable. Something that Rochelle just said in that video, it struck me. I just pray that you would give them the grace to show your grace in different situations. I pray when they teach, they would teach out of love and kindness and grace. I pray for your anointing. I pray for creative thought processes in these teachers' lives. It means that they'll be able to express something of your love in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Teachers, you are awesome. Okay, so that's what it looks like for Rochelle. That's what it looks like for our teachers. I wonder what it looks like for you, living the gospel, being salt and light. If you do have a Bible, you can very quickly turn to Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 and 16. Um, This isn't particularly what I'm focusing on today, but I just felt in my heart as I was preparing, I really wanted to labor on this just for a few minutes, because I think if we don't understand this, the next several weeks could potentially be wasted on some of you. So let's just read from Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16. This is Jesus talking. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do you spot those things? You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And I don't know about you, but you may say like I did a moment ago, I'm not really an evangelist. But the Bible doesn't seem to agree with that. The Bible seems to say that if you're a born-again Christian, you are a born-again evangelist. You are a born-again evangelist. You are salt, and you are light. Now, I know that there are specific gifts of evangelism, but actually, that doesn't let us off the hook. Actually, all of us are called to evangelize. All of us are called to be a blessing in the places we find ourselves. Salt to season what would otherwise be bland and tasteless. Right, you get that imagery. Light. Light to illuminate people's need for God and to show and direct them on how to get there. But let's just be clear. This year isn't about us trying to become something that we're not. It's not a positive mental attitude. It's not some form of moralism. The Bible clearly says that if you have Christ in your life, some significant changes have already taken place. You already have the spirit of life and light inside of you. You are light. That is who you are. You have been completely transformed. You have been completely renewed. It's like you look in the mirror, that's a whole new you. It's like a whole new DNA. 
your old life. You're, you're no longer self-seeking, but actually you're seeking after God. You're no longer in a cycle of hunger because you're in sin, but actually you've found the bread of life and you can finally get satisfied. No longer separated from, but joined and united to. This is the truth of who you are if you're in Christ. No longer guilty of sin, but actually you've been redeemed and you've been forgiven. Hallelujah. No longer sentenced to death, but given eternal life. No longer bland and tasteless, but you are now the salt of the earth. No longer living in darkness, but you are now a beacon of light. That is who you are. Who you are. That's what the Bible says. Those are all parts of God's wonderful covenant promises when he saved you, when he took you out of darkness and brought you into his family. We see in Colossians 1 verse 14, it says this. For he, we're talking about God, for he raised us up. He rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In some translations, the kingdom of light in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I hope I'm preaching you a little bit happy. This is good news. If you're here and you know Jesus, this is all true for you. It's wonderful. But the Bible says there's more. The Bible actually goes on to say there's much, much more. Salvation, if you like, is just the beginning of a journey. A beginning of a journey. You see, Jesus came not only to show a way to the Father... He actually came to model for us what sonship looks like, what it is to live under a guardianship of a dad. That's why Jesus came, to model to us what it was to have a father. And a really strange things happen when God comes and dwells in your heart. Something really odd happens because things start to change. Actually, your heart starts to soften. You can't help in time, actually, to become more and more and more like the God who's come to dwell inside of you, to become more and more like Jesus. In fact, it's, it's one of the Bible's main tests, actually, as to even whether you're saved. It's actually, given the test of time, are you growing more and more likeness like your Savior? What changes are happening here in your heart? Ezekiel 36, 26 says this, and this is God speaking, and I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Now listen here. Anyone can modify behavior. All right? Anyone can modify behavior. Only God is able to change your heart. All right? And this is one of the problems of the world, is that we're, we're always, we're dealing with secondary behaviours. We're dealing with issues of people's behaviour. Actually, only God can change who you are internally. Only God can take out a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Only God can do that. The Bible talks about um, things like uh, the fruit tree, and we kind of often talk about this. And it's like you once were an orange tree... But God has taken out this heart of stone. He's, he's like he's changed you from an orange tree to a pear tree. The, the whole DNA, the whole makeup of it is completely different. And therefore, the fruit that you produce when you're in Christ is no longer oranges like your old life. But you start producing the fruit of Christ. You start producing pears. We have expressions like this. Like father, like son. 
She's her mother's daughter. And what they're implying is that the more you spend time with your guardian, the people that look after you and care for you, you become more like them. And it's exactly the same with our relationship with God. He saves us. He's, he's brought us into the kingdom of light. But the more time we spend there, the more time we spend with God, the more and more like him we become, like father, like son. When you have this relationship with God and spend time with him, you begin to look more like him. Talk like him, act like him. It's just what happens. Ephesians 5 starts with this phrase. It says, be imitators of God. Why? As beloved children, because you're his children. And so today, for the time we have, I want to talk about our character. That is, I want to talk about this ongoing journey of becoming more and more like God, becoming more and more like Jesus. And the reason this topic features actually in a series on mission is because your character has significant implications on the effectiveness of the gospel. You've got to know that on mission. So if you hear one thing today is this, character matters. Your character, it matters when it comes to sharing the gospel and it comes to mission. Interestingly, all of those examples I spoke about, whether it be in the supermarket, in the sauna, in the swimming pool, none of those people would really know my character, will they? Because character is often determined over time. It's often those people who are closer to you, who are in regular contact with you, maybe your spouse or your family, neighbours, colleagues, friends, acquaintances. They're the people who actually over time can see how you are growing more and more in the likeness of Christ. Or not. And the thing about our character is that it can either add credibility to the gospel or actually it can undermine it completely. You know, when you say something, when you believe something in your heart, but actually, if your life doesn't, isn't consistent with what it is that you're saying, it undermines everything that you say. And so the Bible is very clear that character. Character is really important. Actually, it's more important than gift or talent. It's more important than looks. It's more important than how much activity you have on social media. What is it that God's really looking for? Well, in Colossians 1.10, this is what God says. He says, you should walk, this is based on our character, you should walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. This is what our life should be like. Do you know, you can have great chemistry. You can have great competence. You could be the best in your field. Let me tell you, if you lack in character, it displeases God and it does not honor the gospel. It just doesn't. God is far keener on developing our character than he is our profile, our opportunities, or even your portfolio. <laughs> you can have all of that. You can have the biggest businesses. You can have the biggest influence. If you have poor character, that's the thing that God wants to point on. That's the thing he wants to put his finger on. Let's, let's deal with some things in your character. I don't, know if you've ever been, um, I don't know if you've ever been drawn to someone, attracted to someone because of what they're able to do. But at the same time, you're kind of slightly repelled from them because of who they are. 
They could be someone who's really incredibly talented and there's something about their talent that draws you to them, but at the same time, there's something about their character, the nature of who they are that kind of puts you off a little bit. Uh, Interestingly, uh, Stevie Wonder recognized this. He said, ability may get you to the top, but it takes character to keep you there. I found it really interesting year before last looking at the the US elections with uh, Hillary Clinton, Trump, and the other guys, and... It's just interesting how so much focus actually went on their character. Did you notice that? Um, actually, there's very much, uh, very little actually in the news in terms of their finance, uh, talent, uh, their policies even, or their ability to, ability to do the job. But the news was a flood, was it not, with testimonials, hidden films, leaked reports, historical events that would try and discredit or question the character of the candidate that could have been the leader of the greatest nation on the planet. Character is important. Billy Graham said this, when wealth is lost, nothing is lost. When health is lost, something is lost. But when character is lost, everything is lost. So let me just ask you, bit of an MOT, bit of a service, let me just ask you a couple of questions. What does your character communicate about God? And don't think about you here today on a Sunday morning. Think about Friday morning when you go to work. Think about Wednesday evening when you're struggling with the kids. What does your character communicate about God? How much of God's character do people see when they're with you? The way that you talk, the way that you behave, the way that you conduct yourself, whether it be in work or down the pub after a few drinks. You know, if we do not characterize the goodness and the grace of God, then I don't feel people would be receptive to a message of goodness of grace. Do you know, we're, I think we're living, living ever increasingly in an unchurched society. Not de-churched, unchurched. They have absolutely no idea who God is or what he's like. what his character is like. They seem to have no idea, except they should, shouldn't they? Because they have us. Because they have you. It's it's interesting. You see, when Jesus came, people saw the very nature and character of God. Did you realize that? They didn't necessarily realize it all the time, but he was. It says, again, in Colossians 1.15, he, talking about Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God. This, this, this once this God that was actually invisible has now come with skin on and you can see the very nature and the character and the goodness and the love and the mercy of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1.3, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Talking about Jesus. And do you know what? I'd like to submit I think that's the same with you and the same with me. I think it's exactly the same. We're called to imitate Christ. We're called to be walking examples of God's character, his love and his generosity and his grace and his patience. It says in 1 John 2 verse 6, whoever says he abides in him, Jesus, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Listen, they may have no idea about God. They might not know anything about him. 
But let me tell you, each time you walk in the room, each time you go and sit in the sauna, every time you're at that Aldi's checkout, every time you speak to a beggar in the street or go to the swimming pool, there are opportunities for those people who don't know Jesus to experience something of the character and the nature and the goodness of God. Why? Because you are there. Because you are there. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. So what does that look like? How do we grow in our likeness of Christ? How do we grow in our character? Well, just for the last 12 minutes, I just want to highlight three things that I think need to happen or what do happen in order for our character to grow, for us to become more and more like Jesus. And the first thing and I think I've kind of already alluded to it, is we need a change of heart. We need a change of heart. Psalm 51. I think it's David, he writes this. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Listen, if God hasn't created in you a new heart a clean heart, then it is impossible to grow in the likeness of God. It's impossible. You can't grow and become more like someone when he's not inside you and supporting you and challenging you and helping you to grow more like him. It is impossible. You cannot take someone who is not a Christian. You cannot take someone who has not had a revelation of God's grace and his fatherhood on their life. You cannot take someone who has not had the Spirit come and dwell inside of them and make them more like Jesus. It's like saying to an orange tree, make pears, make pears. No, it needs a heart change. God needs to change the orange tree to a pear tree. He needs to take out the heart of stone, and he needs to put in a heart of flesh. This requires God. So let me just say a few words. If you don't know Jesus personally, if you don't know God personally today, Maybe for you, you come to church, but actually you have no real depth of relationship with him personally. I don't know, maybe for you, you go through the motions, but you don't actually have much desire to be with Jesus or to be like him. Maybe you just come to please other people, maybe your parents, maybe your spouse, maybe your friends. I just want to say, you need a new heart. You need a new heart. You need to join with the psalmist and say, God, come, take this hard, sinful, selfish, self-reliant heart and give me a pure and clean heart, one that can love and honor and obey you. You know what? If we try to do, if we try to live like Jesus without a new heart, do you know what that is? It's religion. It's moralism. It's legalism. And the Bible makes it clear that we've tried this. We've tried it. All throughout history, people have tried to do their best, try to pray more, pray in particular ways, certain times of day. And God says, do you know what he says? He says that even our best efforts are like filthy rags. In fact, it's even more gruesome than that. Like filthy rags. Even our best efforts, when we try to do stuff with a heart of stone, even our motives, they're all skewed. We do it for the wrong reasons. We need to have our, our heart of stone taken out, and we need God to put a heart of flesh in. A heart that would love him and honor him. And do you know what? For you today, God has an invitation for you today to be able to give you a new heart. It doesn't matter what's happened up to today. 
God's invitation is that I could take out your heart of stone, this heart of self-reliance, this heart of striving, and I can give you a heart of flesh, one that can hear me, one that can honor me, one that can walk in this journey and become more and more like me. So that's the first thing. Then once you get a change of heart, something else happens. You actually get a change of appetite. So you have a change of heart, and that has to be first, right? If you don't get a change of heart, the rest of what I'm going to say is useless. You have to start with God changing your heart. But when God changes your heart, you'll find that your taste and your appetite changes. It says this in, um, I think it says Galatians up here, but it's actually Romans 6, verses 17 to 18. It says, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin, who had a hard heart, a heart of stone, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. You know, when you get a clean heart, you know when you've got a clean heart because you have a new desire for purity and you have a new hatred for sin. Suddenly, our satisfaction and our delight is sourced from a different place to what it was before. When you get this new heart, you get a new appetite. And let me just tell you, if you're not a Christian, for those of us that are saved... Living in the way that God calls us to, it isn't something we do in a resentful, driven way. Actually, it's something that we can do in a willing, freedom, delight kind of way. You see, if you don't know Jesus, it could just look like these are a whole load of things that you have to do. Actually, for the believer, when we find life, actually, we we look at it and just say, man, this is just life to me, and your appetite grows. Actually, it's willing obedience to grow more and more like Jesus, because you know it's more and more how you were created and what you were meant to be. Um, When I was growing up, I didn't like mature cheese. It's crazy, I know. But yeah, when I was growing up, I didn't like mature cheese. I didn't like olives. Um, I didn't really like cherry tomatoes or berries. I say I love them now. I love them. I love mature cheese. I dream about mature cheese, all right? And cheese makes you dream, so it's like a vicious circle. <laughs> I love cheese. But I don't eat it now with the same mindset I had when I was younger. I'm not there thinking, oh, I resent finding pleasure from eating this type of cheese. (laughs) Do you see how ridiculous that sounds? Whereas being obedient to God, following him, finding delight in him, it's, it's not something that I'm doing out of gritted teeth. Oh, I better just have to do it. No, my appetite, my taste is completely different. God has done something in my heart where actually my appetite is different, where I say, oh, more, 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 more. I love this. And it's the same we go with your character when we become more and more like him. We don't do it out of a resentful way. We do it because we delight in him. He changes our taste. He change, our whole palate is different now. That's what happened when you get a new heart. Purity is now more important to you than your image and your reputation. I'm no longer going to do those things or be seen in those places with those people in that way. Generosity is more important than personal security. I feel that I can give generously. Love is more important than getting my point across. I don't want to have fits of rage and anger in the way that I used to. Honor 
is more important than knowing the latest gossip. Listen, I will not talk, listen to, read or post about people in a way that would not honour them completely before God. I don't even want to be seen associated with it. Rid yourself of gossip. Integrity. Integrity is more important than financial gain. I'm going to declare all of my earnings on my tax return, even those which are cash in hand and I could get away with. No, your integrity, the integrity for the Christian, the integrity is growing more and more like Jesus. That's more important than financial gain. Lou Lou and I, uh, last year, we had a moment where, if I'm honest, I felt it was like a bit of a test on my character, a bit of a test on our integrity. Um, I was was down at the bank, um, and our mortgage was up for renewal. We wanted to move. And basically, the the mortgage advisor said, we can actually release £70,000, and based on your salaries, we can release £70,000, and you'd actually be paying less each month, and your mortgage term wouldn't change. It's just the better interest rate. I thought that was absolutely ridiculous. I thought, wow, what God's blessing. But then she says something along the lines of, it's because based on your income and what you're going to be earning over the next however long. And I, I felt God prodded me, but... He said this, he said, but you know that Lou's not going to be working as a teacher for much longer. I think you need to tell her that. So I, can't, I, look, I looked at the lady and I just said, actually, me and my wife, we've decided that she's going to stop working and change her job. Um, and the lady said, well, in that case, we won't be able to take any of her salary in account. We can't give you anything. And um, after this meeting, we were walking down the stairs in Lloyd's, and she just said to you, you know, anyone else would have taken the money. And it's just such a great opportunity for me to say, you know, I think integrity is more important than (laughs) £70,000. And it it means that we're we're living where we are, we've got a fantastic house, God's been so good, but we haven't been able to do some of the stuff that we're really hoping to do. But you know, when God changes your character, you get to a point where even the Holy Spirit inside you prods you and says, what's more important, financial gain, a bigger house, or actually is it your integrity? God's appetite is different. Your heart is different. These are the fruits of a changed heart and a changed appetite. No longer, it says in Galatians 5, things like no longer like sexual immorality, impurity, strife, jealousy, anger, envy, lust, drunkenness, greed... Those things, part of your old self, they give way to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. No longer fits of anger and rage. Actually, someone who is able to control oneself. So let me just offer a few questions just to really earth this down and to challenge us all, okay? And I'm in this as well. First one is this. Are you finding enjoyment and satisfaction in God? So we know that when we have a new heart, we have a new appetite that, uh, that kind of it has a good taste for God. Do you have a taste for God? Are you finding enjoyment and satisfaction in him? Have you found what it is to delight in Jesus? Have you, are you persuaded that Jesus is enough for you? How about this? Are you aware of and actively fighting areas of sin in your life? Are you actively fighting for purity? Do you, do you have ongoing sin that you've excused or find acceptable to live with? Because let me tell you, the Bible doesn't find acceptable. God does not find acceptable. 
It's just a bit of gossip. It's just a bit of anger, porn, arguing. How about this one? Grumbling. It says in the Bible, do not grumble. Grumbling. Oh, but that's just me. No, it's the old you. Stop it. It's the old you. Let me just encourage you, don't settle for less than God has for you. Even 30 years on, even 50 years on in your journey of faith, don't settle for less than what God has for you. Are you still becoming more and more like him? Are you still becoming more and more like him? You see, growing never stops. Growing doesn't stop. The question isn't, am I perfect, right? I'm not perfect, you're not perfect. That's a quick discussion, done. Right, we're not perfect. But here's the question. Am I the same today than I was 10 years ago? Five years ago? One year ago? Or am I continuing to become more and more in the likeness of Christ? And that is a question which is valid for you that have been a Christian for 30 years or those that have just been for three years. And you know, the second thing about character growth is this, is that it's active, it's not passive. God puts a heart of flesh in you, but it's not that you're just there and by osmosis things change. We need to actively pursue these things. We may have a different appetite, but we still need to choose to eat the right food. So just a few verses to help us. Romans 12. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. It's active, not passive. 2 Corinthians 10.5, take every thought captive, active, right? 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, active. Hebrews 12 verse 1, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings to us, or some verses say entangle us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before you. If you want to grow in your character, it's something we need to be active on. It's not something that will just happen while you sleep. The different situations you come across, the different growth opportunities in your life that might challenge you, there are opportunities for you to grow in your character. And just very lastly, I'm going to be two minutes just on this third one. A change of heart leads to a change of perspective. A change of perspective. Let me explain. When you become an adopted orphan, when God adopts you, everything changes. Everything. You now have a new dad. You now have a new name, a new home, a new provider. You have new resource, new prospects, new protection, a new future, a new inheritance, a legacy, a family. Everything changes when you gain a perspective of who you are when you're a son of God. But we need to learn to live in light of this. We need to have a change in perspective. You see, the adopted child doesn't need to fiddle taxes to get by because they have a father who can provide for their every need. Do you get that? <laughs> this isn't about me just trying to become better and be more like God so I've got to do, do, do. No, actually, it's because I have a father who can provide all of my needs. That changes my perspective when it comes to my character. I don't need to fiddle my taxes in that way. The adopted child can take on criticism without getting offended because they have the father's approval. The adopted child doesn't need to grumble when everything isn't how they would like it to be because they see themselves in a perfect eternal relationship with God. The adopted child, even in the face of sickness and death, can hold firm to the inheritance of the father. 
The adopted child can celebrate the success of other people without being envious. Why? Because they know of a future reward. The adopted child can love the unlovable, as Rochelle said, because they too were loved, chosen, accepted, and adopted by a father. The adopted child can serve and give up their time to support others because they now have rather a lot of time to spare. (laughs) We want to grow in our character. We want to grow more like Jesus. There's three things for you. The first thing you need to do is say, God, give me a heart of flesh. God will give you a new appetite. And we need to actively pursue the things of God and delight after him. And the last thing is, we need to keep fighting for who we are in Christ. We need to gain a perspective that is, he's got a father that is able to provide for all of our every need. Why don't you stand with me? Philippians 4 verse 8 says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. In a moment, we're going to break bread. I'm going to leave Paul to do that with you. I just want to quickly pray for us. I want to thank you, God, that you are a loving Father. I want to thank you that you have given all of us an invitation today, whether we knew it on coming or not, that you can give us a heart of flesh, that we don't have to do things in a driven way, we don't have to do things through self-reliance, but we can trust in you and put our hope, we could put all of our eggs in one basket and we know that that basket's going to hold for all eternity. So we just say, Lord God, we want to say sorry for where we've done things out of a hardness of heart. We say, would you soften our hearts? Would you give us more and more an appetite for you? And I pray where there's sin issues in our lives that need to be dealt with, would you help us deal with those today? And I pray, would you help us consistently to live in the perspective that we are your children, that you are our provider, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you very much.